This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Turn with to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, uh, for the last 12 weeks, we've been on different spiritual laws. We're going to hit another one of them tonight. Let me just tell you this, that I don't know. I may pick back up with it in a number of weeks from now. But uh, starting two weeks from tonight, uh, Shelly is going to do a teaching on your personalities. And she's had a lot of questions on this. And we do it uh, periodically a couple years. And I, I will tell you this, that I trust the Word of God, but it does help us to begin to understand other personalities. How many of you are married to someone right now and you think, man, they're just weird? They're weird. I used to say that about Shelly. She's just weird, Lord. She doesn't do things like I do. And so what we begin to understand is that God creates every one of us differently. And there's a number, really there's four main personalities. And you're, you, your spouse, are going to fall into one of those. And again, in that situation, uh, her personality is not like you, but that's how God created them. And what you find out in marriage usually, and even in ways of other areas of life, but in marriage specifically, usually opposites attract. And then before long, opposites react. And that's what begins to happen. And so one of the reasons we want to teach on this is to give you a biblical idea. I can get around people and I'll pick up your, your personality traits real quick. If you give me just a few minutes with me, I'll, I'll watch your behaviors, I'll watch certain things you do. And it really helps me just, just to understand people so I don't do things that can freak them out. So over the years, this has one of been the most significant things in our marriage. And I don't want to change, Shelly. God created her that way. And so understand that about your spouse. So we're going to give you a little insight on that. Also, it'll help you with your children. It may help you as a boss or it may help you as an employee, either one, to begin to understand the way people do these things. Okay, so that's the next few weeks. But tonight, we're still on the spiritual laws. And so one of the areas we've been talking about is the name of Jesus. The name that's the name above every name. And I believe this, that many people can know about the name of Jesus in theory. But do I have a revelation of that name? Now, I've said that a couple times, and I got to thinking, do we really understand the word revelation? The word revelation means to be revealed. I need the name of Jesus to be revealed to me. I need it to become uncovered. Where I just don't speak the name of Jesus. That, man, when I begin to say the name of Jesus, I sing the name, something begins to happen. And so this is very important that we begin to do this. And if you were here last week, in uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 16, it said this, And his name... Through faith in his name. So again, we just can't just know the name of Jesus. i got to put some faith with the name of Jesus. So I'm going to give you some biblical examples tonight of that to show you what, you look, uh, what that looks like. But begin with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Now, wisdom is practical Practical and workable principles. Stuff that I can do everyday life. And so he's saying here, I want you to have wisdom and revelation 
in the knowledge of him. Now, here the Bible talks about what I said a minute ago. We need to get revelation in the name of Jesus. So he says that you have revelation, that you have insight, a clear perception, and applicable understanding is what revelation means. And so he wants us to have a clear understanding about the name of Jesus. What happens? Now, I found another definition of it. Listen to this one. Revelation refers to an unveiling of the hearts that we may receive insight into the way God's word is intended to work in our lives. So when we talk about revelations, we say, oh Lord, i got to have revelation that this book comes alive in me that I begin to understand how you desire me to live life. I don't know about you, that's what I want. I want to live life like God intended me to live it. So we pick up back in verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now when it says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And, and that we may know the, 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 what is the hope of his calling. It's literally talking about the, God, the, the wealth of God's investment in every one of our lives. Now listen to what he says very next. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory in the inheritance of the saints. And so when it talks about the riches, there's kingdom wealth. There's kingdom wealth that God wants every one of us to find out what's ours, what's our inheritance. He goes on to say in verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, when it says the word believes, it's just that we get over in faith and we begin to believe this is what God's word said. Now, I I can hear the word day after day after day after day. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to believe it. But I will say this, that the more you hear the word of God, the more it's going to start changing your life. So he goes on to say, those who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked or brought or exerted in Christ when he raised them from the dead, And he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, what you begin to see here when you look at this, he said uh, really three key nuggets there. First of all, he said he gave him the name above every name. Father God gave him the name above every name. So anything here that has a name, understand this, the name of Jesus is above it. That's the first thing he said in that passage right there. The second thing he said is he put all things under his feet. In other words, everything on this earth comes under the authority of Jesus. And then the last thing he said right there, over all things to the church, to the body. Now that's me and you. We're the church, we're the body. The church isn't this building. The church is me and you. Now, if we went back and we studied this several weeks ago, in Matthew 16, verse 18, the Lord Jesus said that the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. He's telling me and you that. Uh, Matthew 16, 19, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you the key. I give you the authority. 
And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So again, everything that Jesus did here on this earth, he transferred that to me and you. And you know how we operate in? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you remember last week, in Acts chapter 3, it said specifically, no, Colossians 3, Colossians 3.16, it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus. Do in the name of Jesus. So that's, that's my lifeline. That's my key right there. That's why it's so significant that we understand the name of Jesus is above everything. That God put the name above all names, all things, and he gave it to me and you. As the head, as the body. Now, to help us understand this a little bit more, let me give you a couple illustrations right now. That when I speak the name of Jesus, all, he, all, all that he's done, all his accomplishments, all his victories are tied in that name. So when I say in the name of Jesus, it represents everything that he's done. Well, what did he do? And he took the keys of death and hell. He spoiled principalities and powers. And so, man, when I use his name, understand that name's attached with victory. And so we think about this just for a second. When you mention a person's name, you begin to, to, to see or get a picture in your mind of that person. Now, I, I can sit here right now, and my grandmother's been dead for a number of years, but I can see her face. I, to, to right now, I can see her and not only can I see her in my mind, I, I think back that when I see her name or hear her name, not only do I get a picture of that name, I begin to think of her character. My grandma was extremely generous and kind. So just for a second, think about people's names that you know, and you can see them right there. You can get a picture of them. You can get a glimpse. I mean, I, I never, never met Abraham Lincoln. But if I said his name right now, I can get a picture of his name. I never met, uh, met JFK. But I can get a picture because I've seen those things. It's like Martin Luther King. I've never seen Dr. King. But I've seen pictures of Dr. And so even with Jesus, what begins to happen is the more I hang out in the Word of God, it begins to put a picture of him. Think about this. How Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all those that were sick and oppressed of the devil. That's, that's Acts 10.38. So it begins to put a picture in my mind that I can literally get an image of Jesus going around, healing people, casting the devil out of people. Can you get a picture of this? Jesus raised people from the dead? Can you see him? I can see him walking in and hear this dude named Lazarus is all bound up in all the linen and he's wrapped up in the tomb. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, Lazarus comes strolling out. I get a picture of that. But it only happens by reading the Word of God. And I study the Word of God. And when you start getting in the Word, the Word will get into you. And so I begin to get a revelation of the name of Jesus. Now go to Mark 5. And, and I want you to see how this plays out here biblically. That it will begin to help you. Where you can begin to focus on these things. Mark chapter 5. I was going to say this, this is my favorite passage of the Bible. But I say that every week. I really enjoy this passage of Scripture. Mark 5, begin with me 
uh, in verse uh, 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had hemorrhaging for 12 years. That's a long time. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, I, I believe fully in doctors. Thank God for doctors. But you realize in this situation that the doctor gets to a place and looks and says, incurable. I, I don't know what else to do. And in this situation, she spent all that she had and now she's worse. Now, this is how we are oftentimes as human beings. If we're not careful, we get to the worst in our life, the worst situation, before we start calling out to God. I don't believe we have to get that way. So she gets worse, and then it says in verse 27, now watch this. When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about, so what do you think she heard about Jesus? I believe she heard that he's the healer, that he goes around healing people, that he saves people, that he watches people get free, that he does this and this and this. And so she begins to hear those things. And I think the thing she heard about Jesus, it began to put, paint a picture in her mind. Now watch what happens. Then she came behind him in the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. Now when she heard about these things, she heard... When he lays hands on people, they get healed. They get healed. So in the back of her mind, she says, I've got to get my hands on him. Whatever it takes, I've got to get my hands on Jesus. And so literally, not only does she think it, she acts on it. And so she it says she goes and she touched his hem of his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, it's very important the things that come out of our mouth. Not only do I speak the things of Jesus... But I learned to get my mouth in line with the word of God. She spoke the desired result. For she said out of her mouth, When I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. Why is that so important? Well, life and death is the power of the tongue. That's Proverbs 18, 21. Now again, many of you have been here numerous times. But one of the things the Lord really, 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 he put in my heart a year ago, that anything that I said out of my mouth, he said, after you say it, you tag it with this. And that's just the way I want it. And that's just the way I want it. So this woman right here says, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well, and that's just the way I want it. But what happens with us a lot of times, we'll say stuff like this. Well, I know it's the flu season, and I know I'm going to get it, and all my kids are going to get it, and that's just the way I want it. But if you said that, you said, no, 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 that's not the way I want it, but yet that's what I just said. Uh, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you put in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And so this lady had started putting the things of God into her heart, and it came out of her mouth. And she said, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And so again, it's the importance of speaking the word of God. So we keep reading here. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Can you imagine this? 12 years, 4,380 days. How'd you know that? I've got it written down in there. I don't want you to think he's... 
But she knew immediately something happened. Something happened. Keep reading. And Jesus immediately, knowing himself that power had gone out of him, he turned around the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Now, I can picture Jesus. He's strolling through this city, and, and the multitudes are, are, are all around him. I mean, they all know when this dude shows up, things happen. And so they're everywhere. And, and Jesus has the thought, who touched me? And his disciples looked at him and said, duh, who touched you? There's about a thousand of them that just touched you. Keep reading. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened, came to her, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She began to say, this is what happened. Now watch this. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. If you'll catch that right there, Jesus didn't say his faith made her well. He said, darling, your faith has made you well. So I go back and I got to put it all together. And I said, okay, what was her faith based on? So we start from the beginning. She heard about Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So again, whatever area in your life that you're needing to develop faith, find scripture for it. Find the word and begin to write it down. Now, now I'm going to give you a little re review here real quick. In my own life, I, I've fought the stinking stuff called alcohol. All those years of my life, I mean, just dominated by it and everything. But then I started finding scriptures. And there in Colossians 1.13, he said, I've delivered you out of the power of darkness. So I begin to look at that and I think, he has delivered me. So I begin to feed on that scripture. I begin to say, I thank you, Lord Jesus, you've delivered me out of the power of alcohol. And I begin to feed on it and I begin to feed on it. And I kept getting in the word and I kept hearing that. And I begin to speak it. And I'd say this out of my mouth. I thank you, Father God, you've delivered me out of the power of alcohol. And you got set free the first week. No, I didn't. I kept speaking the word. I kept speaking to the mountain. I kept speaking the word of God. And that's what you, you keep speaking the word of God. And so again, this woman, she heard about Jesus. Faith come by hearing. Then she began to speak what she desired to happen. You don't desire sickness. You don't desire being dominated by certain things. So don't pray it. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, all this begins to line up. And so then, you know what she did? She acted on her faith. How can we act on faith? Well, the Bible's clear on certain areas. It says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I've had people that have come to me and they said, Pastor, this was what's going on in my life. And I said, what do you want me to do? And they said, we want you to lay hands on me in the name of Jesus. And you know what I said to them? Tell me what's going to happen when I lay hands on you. And I've had ones with a boldness look at me and say, I'll be healed. I'll be healed. And so again, it's their faith. It's my faith. And this, this is exactly what he's talking about. Now, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. Oh my gosh, my time goes so fast when I'm having fun. Acts chapter 4. Ooh, if you were here last week, we are in Acts 3. Um, Peter and John went up to pray at the temple They're beautiful. And that's where they met the lame man on the way. And he said, hey, 
Can you boys spare any change? And they said, silver and gold have we none, but what we have to give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So we ended last there where they, they yanked him up, and man, the dude walked. So now we get to Acts 4, and guess what happens? Peter and John get arrested because they were preaching in the name of Jesus. Now, if you read all Acts 4, you know what's incredible about this passage? Is that when this guy who had laid at the gate temple all those years was lame, he got healed. The Bible, right there in Acts 4, it says that 5,000 of them got saved. Five, I mean, people begin to look and say, that's, that's Joe. That's the guy who laid at the gate. And I don't know if his name was Joe. I'm just throwing that in there. I don't, that's the guy who laid at those gates all those years. See, you know what I see there? When, when miracles happen, People get saved. People get saved. That's why we've got to believe God for miracles. So we pick up in Acts 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, the elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Cephas, John, and Alexander, as many were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, Peter and John, by what power or what by name have you done this? What authority? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now, God, it's, it's important, the, the Holy Spirit there. The Holy Spirit's still real. Again, I quoted it earlier, Acts 10.38 says, how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. The same Spirit, the Holy Spirit that uh, anointed Jesus, he anointed these guys. Verse 9, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this stand stands before you whole. This is the stone which you rejected by the builders, which become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given by which men must be saved. And when it says no other name, there's no second choices. There's no other options. Only the name of Jesus. Now watch this, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness on Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and un untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now when it says they were untrained, you know what it literally meant? They weren't rabbis. Actually, they were ordinary men who got turned on to Jesus. And I love to throw that in there because it's just like every one of us. We can get full of God just like this. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with him... They could stay nothing against it. And so here's Peter and John. They're getting bold. And next to them is this guy who had been healed. And you look and say, boys, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. What do we do about him? This is the guy who was lame all those years, and now here he is. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. So all these religious leaders, they have this big powwow. Verse 17. Uh, verse 16, saying, what shall we do with these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them. 
It's evident all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they're all together, and you know what they say? They don't even mention the name of Jesus. They're in this council, and they say, we've got to tell them, don't preach in this name anymore. They begin to realize, you know what? When these guys start speaking in the name of Jesus, stuff happens. So watch what it ends here in verse 18. This is what I'm leaving with. So they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. Again, there's power in the name of Jesus right here. There's power. Now, a couple areas, just briefly here, that can keep the name of Jesus from working in my life. If I was taking you to Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it's the third commandment, and it says specifically, don't use the Lord's name in vain. A lot of times we look at that and we think, well, that means don't use it in a curse word. That's true. God's last name isn't whatever people put in there, okay? But also, that word there, vain, means don't use it in a useless way, a non-effective way. Don't use it in a frivolous way. And so, really, he's telling us that even with the name of Jesus, we ought to reverence that name. Now, how many of you have ever used God or the name of Jesus in a, in a, in a low content where you weren't honored and you said stuff like, Dear God, for Christ's sake, Jesus... I mean, every one of the, I had a grandma that would say stuff like this, well, God, no. And we would begin to, to, to almost mock it without even realizing. So one of the keys here is when I speak, the, the only time I speak the name of Jesus is in a reverent way. I don't want to dishonor that name. Remember, that's the name above every name. And so another thing that I believe will help you here is this, that, and I'll end with this. Maybe. When me and Shelly started dating, and I proposed to her and we got married, she didn't inherit my last name until we got married. But after we got married, she had the power of attorney that she could go to a bank, she could go to a store, and she could use my name and get the same results as if I would have been there. But that only happened when we were married. And I believe that's one of the issues with Father God and specifically with the name of Jesus. Too many times we, we want to date Jesus. We want his blessings. We, we want him to give us everything we want. But yet we withhold from him. And so when you really, really, really want to see the name of Jesus move in your life, be married to him. And what I be mean, me married to him, do life with him. When you're dating, you take him home. You say, hostel is on you. I'll see you tomorrow. But when you're married, marriage 24-7. And so it's one of the things, even with the kingdom of God, that, that sometimes when the name of Jesus isn't working like I thought it should, I've got to go back and I've got to look and say, am I married? Am I all in to Jesus? Because when I'm not, man, I'm just a, a, a freeloader on that. 
And I try to sponge off of that name when I really don't have a legal right to do it. Well, understand, the name of Jesus is powerful. It'll work. I just got to keep hanging around it, okay? And don't be afraid to speak in the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid to do that. Let me tell you this story, and I'll end with this. <laughs> this is the last one, I promise, because I'm looking at my clock. There was a guy who's going down the road. This is a true story. He's going down the road, and he, he didn't remember if he shut his son's back door or the son opened it. And he said there was a guy right behind him, and they're going around a curve. And he said all of a sudden, he hears the door swing open. And out of his side mirror, he sees his son hitting the blacktop. And he said, I remember specifically the first thing out of my mouth is Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. And he said, I see the other car right behind me. And he said, oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, help us. And so he gets pulled over. The other car gets pulled over. He runs back, and there's his young son laying right there in the street. And he rolls him over, and his son looks up at him, and he's alive. And he said, are you okay? And the son said, I'm okay, daddy. And he had little skin marks all over him, little cuts and everything. But he was all right. And the daddy picked his son up and was saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the guy in the car behind him, he comes walking up and he's hysterical. And the daddy's holding his boy and said, sir, sir, it's okay. He's alive. He's good. And the man in the other car looked at him and said, no, no, you don't understand. I never hit the brake. You know what he realized? Somehow, supernaturally, God had protected his son. The man literally thought he had ran over that boy. And daddy looked up and said, here he is. And so again, and I think one of the greatest things that happened to you when stuff happens, the name of Jesus just jump out of you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com